Welcome to Research Uncensored, a podcast by Research FDI, your trusted investment attraction and business intelligence partner. Join me, Bruce Tackefman, and my co-host, Amber Hunter, as we bring you behind the scenes with economic development professionals around the world. We're going to find out the real stories behind the project wins and get to know some of the top players in the game today. We would like to thank the Next Move Group for sponsoring today's podcast. Next Move Group helps small to medium-sized companies, communities, and organizations create economic growth through executive searches that assist economic development organizations with hiring quality EDO professionals. They also provide site selection services to manufacturers in addition to a suite of products designed to help ED organizations be successful. Welcome to another episode of Research Uncensored. Today, we're joined by COO of the Las Vegas Global Economic Alliance, Jared Smith. And Amber, I have two words for this podcast, Vegas baby. (laughs) I am very excited to talk to Jared. He is a very well-spoken, very passionate economic developer. Uh, Also really intriguing to hear about Vegas in terms of economic development. I mean, we work closely with them, so we know it's so much more than just a hot tourist attraction that, you know, has brand recognition across the world. So I can't wait to see how he's merged that and, you know, his thoughts on, you know, uh, economic development in COVID, post-pandemic. I know he's going to have a lot of passion, a lot of great ideas. So I look forward to that. And uh, I know that you had said you might take the team, uh, the business development team to Vegas this year. So maybe are we looking at a 2021 party? What do you think? Perhaps whatever happens in Vegas also happens on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I guess it is recorded. I guess this will be live. Aren't you now a married lady? I am. I am. I had what you may like to have called a pandemic wedding. Uh, so we thought, you know what, we're not going to let it dictate the year. So we went ahead and did it. We had a small little garden party and people came in waves, you know, throughout the night. So it was never too much. And it was honestly such a beautiful affair. It was very, very beautiful. And I'm very happy. Mazel Tov Amber, and I have a surprise for you. I did buy you, I bought you a lamp. A lamp? Well, thank you. Everyone always needs a good lamp. <laughs> I thought you and Blair could use one. A lamp. You start your That's yes. great. Well, my grandma bought me a bookcase, so that could maybe go a pair with it, you know? So that sounds great. But uh, I think we've rambled enough as we usually want to do. I think we should dial in and get Jared on the line. What do you think? Let's get him on. Okay, here we go. All right, let's welcome our next guest all the way from Las Vegas, Jared Smith. Welcome to Research Uncensored. Bruce, it's great to talk with you and Amber. Um, Thanks so much for having me today. I'm excited to talk with you. It's an honor, sir. It's an honor. So you, my my friend, are an LSU Tiger graduate. Talk about what that championship meant to you. You know, every day is a great day to be an LSU fan. It's especially sweet after this uh, This last year of Joe Burrow and the rest of the team, just arguably one of the, if not the best, at least one of the best in college football history. Um, Just so much fun. I I wish that I could have been able to go to the games, but living in Las Vegas and trying to get back for games, it's just a bit much. No doubt. The games against Alabama and the SEC were certainly very exciting. So you come from a finance and a kind of a finance and uh, insurance backgrounds. So how did you get into economic development to begin with? It's a great question, Bruce. I, uh, <clears throat> interestingly enough, I kind of come from a family that has been dedicated to sort of public service. So my mom was a, a teacher, a high school teacher, and 
assistant principal and principal, which was as much fun as you think it is to have your mom in the administration of the school you're attending. Uh, and my dad was a banker and I'm an only child. And I, Bruce, I said, I would never be anything like mom and dad that I was going to go to LSU and, you know, kind of carve my own path. Well, sure enough, I went to LSU, I got a degree in English, and then I went into banking for a while. So I, I, I split my mom and dad right down the middle. Uh, somewhere, somewhere around uh, the year 2000, I was on my AOL dial-up account, just to show my age, and uh, came across, randomly, came across an article uh, from uh, Harvard Business on cluster economics, and just found it fascinating. And that was where I first heard of economic development. Uh, fast forward a few years later, um, you know, working in my career and jobs in Louisiana started coming open, open in uh, economic development. And so I started applying for anything with economic development uh, in the state of Louisiana uh, with, with state government. They would not uh, interview me because at the time I only had this liberal arts degree and they were looking for people with business degrees. So after I went back to MBA school, uh, in my last semester of MBA school, I applied for an economic development job with the state of Louisiana and uh, actually got the job offer. And so that, that's kind of how I got into it. Uh, AOL, uh, all the way up through failed attempts at trying to get into it. <laughs> well, Jared, I'd just like to say that I'm a fellow liberal arts student. So a little shout out there <laughs> to that. Uh, yeah, a little nuanced uh, group of mostly intellectual snobs, as they used to call us. But I, you know, I hold it <laughs> the degree with pride. Um, so, if it's my understanding, I think once you finally uh, entered into economic development, you ended up wearing a lot of hats. In that, you did BRE. You know, you ended up in investment attraction. I, I think you did some financing. You also worked, you know, at the local level, the regional and state level. Can you kind of talk to us about what that experience being, you know, all encompassing, how that kind of helped you, you know, be the leader that you are today? Well, I appreciate that. And, you know, so I grew up in a very rural town in Louisiana, and it, it borders uh, some of the most economically challenged uh, areas in the country, uh, of, in the U.S. And, you know, in growing up in that type of environment, you know, I saw these areas, you know, around me really struggling since the late 80s. So when I worked, my, my first job in, at Louisiana Economic Development was uh, working in business retention and expansion. Uh, and the, the person who was my, my first uh, manager and mentor was a guy named Tommy Kurtz, who I know you both know very well. And uh, <clears throat> they handed me the keys to a state van and said, all right, get out there and start talking to companies. And so what that looked like is I would leave on a Monday and I would drive all over the state, focus specifically on the northern half of Louisiana. Uh, so I'd have to drive from South Louisiana to North Louisiana. And I got the opportunity to meet with and talk with companies you know, from, uh, this is the way I describe it, from Joe the cabinet maker to you know, incredibly large chemical companies and really opened my eyes uh, to the different concerns that different size companies and different industries have. Uh, and also I had to put on my salesman hat a little bit because you can imagine how people feel when you show up at their place of business and say, hi, 
I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Um, so worked, worked for LED for a while, had the opportunity to shift and go to a regional uh, economic development group. And uh, my first role there was doing lead generation. So then that meant getting out of the state van and onto an airplane uh, and spending time in boardrooms with CEOs and management and uh, pitching, you know, uh, South Louisiana as a place to locate. Um, accepted some additional responsibilities uh, later on in project management. So then I became the project manager for some of these very large expansions and um, worked with a lot of my partners in South Louisiana uh, to accomplish some really fun deals there. Shifted again while I was at the same organization to focus specifically on Baton Rouge and the and East Baton Rouge Parish, which is a county for everybody else. Um, and that really involved uh, continuing to work projects and some lead generation, but a lot more government relations. So I spent time with our Metro Councilman and the mayor and traveled with the mayor, uh, bringing them all into our economic development strategy and providing regular reports to these elected officials. Um, that, that was really fun. I was in that role when I came to Las Vegas four years ago. So here I am. I'm at the Las Vegas Global Economic Alliance, and I'm the chief operating officer. Uh, and my job now uh, looks very much like I've described already, which is kind of a Swiss army knife of responsibilities. So here is the chief operating officer. Uh, I'm focused on, of course, our operations. So that means our budget. Uh, you know, the CEO and I put together a budget every year and, you know, I manage that accordingly. Also work very closely with our business development team. Uh, so we, we've got a great team of uh, economic developers with more than 10 years experience, each one of them, uh, those VPs and just honored to serve with them. Work uh, very closely in our research efforts. Uh, so I've headed up some research projects here, uh, government relations, uh, meeting with our elected officials uh, along with our CEO, uh, and really spent a lot of time. We, we have incredibly good partners in economic development here in Southern Nevada. So the city of North Las Vegas and Henderson, uh, the city of Las Vegas, we have rural partners in the cities of Mesquite, and Boulder City, uh, and an unincorporated Clark County and Laughlin. And I chair a group that uh, meets at least monthly. And we bring all these partners together to talk strategy and be transparent and, and update each other on what we're doing and share best practices. So kind of a long-winded answer, but uh, it's been a fun career so far. Absolutely. You know, something I've been really interested in is I know obviously Vegas and the global global arena, if you will, is known, uh, you know, for its nightlife, for the for the clubs, for the Vegas shows. Um, with that, you know, perception, how have you been able to kind of merge it uh, and, you know, promote the other economic development strengths? You know, through our partnership, we're very aware of, you know, for instance, the tech talent in Vegas. Have you found that kind of one of the biggest challenges or actually easier than you anticipated? Well, I think you can look at any challenge as a challenge or an opportunity. And out here, I would describe that as an opportunity. 
So if you, if you were to go to our website at uh, lvgea.org and you were to look into, you know, what our mission is, you'll see that we absolutely say we want to diversify the economy in Southern Nevada. You know, it's, it's something we're focused on. But how we do it uh, is, is very interesting. And uh, so, you know, world, the, the, the neat thing about Las Vegas or Southern Nevada, however you want to describe it, when we are hoping for new companies to come here and locate and our strategies that we're building around that, the neat thing is that we're Las Vegas and the world comes to us so that we don't have to have people on planes traveling as much uh, as some other communities do. Uh, and that, that's a real opportunity for us. So this tourism brand uh, that we've been built on gives us worldwide recognition that we don't have to spend uh, time and resources establishing, right? We already, we already have this name recognition. Uh, and tourism also gives us this unique quality of life proposition, which is different than even most other tourism markets. People know Las Vegas as an exciting place to be. And so, so we don't have to convince tech companies that uh, their employees and their leadership will have an exciting life. It's easy to know that about Las Vegas. Uh, you know, we deeply care about uh, growing um, our, our next level industries through our strengths, not in spite of them. Let me say that again. We're looking to grow this community, this economy through our strengths, not in spite of it. So what I mean by that is, you know, there are companies like Aristocrat and Scientific Games uh, that make uh, uh, games for our, for our casino properties here that are hiring computer science related folks by the hundreds. And so we're able to grow the tech sector through this tourism opportunity. Um, we also have an incredibly good partnership with the Las Vegas Visitors and Convention Authority. So those, those are the folks that on the What Happens Here Stays Here brand, and, and that brand has recently shifted. Neat thing about those, uh, their team, the former head of the Governor's Office of Economic Development here in Nevada is now the CEO of that organization. Uh, so they have an even deeper perspective on what we can do together to bolster the economy here in Southern Nevada. Um, another interesting thing about, about that, we have, a, we have a memorandum of understanding with the Las Vegas World Trade Center, which is really interesting. And that is owned in part by the LVCVA and, and by the organization that owns the CES conference. And they are incredibly good partners at helping us give this message worldwide. So I'm just so thrilled uh, to have all of these partners supporting a common vision. You did mention that one of the key advantages that Vegas does have is you have usually in a, in a normal year, you have thousands of companies descending to Las Vegas for a trade show or convention. Uh, I know recently you had success at SEMA attracting an Israeli company. Can you talk about that and how, I know you took them to a Las Vegas Golden Knight game. Talk about the recruitment process of that company 
and I guess how they fit into Las Vegas. You know, I, I work with the team that does that. I did, I specifically did not work that project, but I can tell you that um, how we would work a stereotypical project like that one is we really have to get that company here to Las Vegas. So while I'm happy that Las Vegas has this worldwide brand that people recognize, to understand it as a business community, we really have to get them here. So the Israeli company that you're talking about came for CES, so they already had a reason to be in our backyard. And our goal was to get them out of the conference and experiencing the business community a little bit. Uh, and that's exactly what we did. Now, so I know you brought up the, the Raiders and the Golden Knights being on our board, and, and I think that that's important. Uh, what, what's important about that, along with all of our board members, you know, we've got some really great recognizable names. And what's helpful is when a company sees who's on our board of directors, I personally think that that gives us uh, even more clout as an organization to say, oh, all these important all these important companies are investing in LBGA. This th th these are people that I can trust. You know, um, the Raiders and the Golden Knights specifically, they're just such fun organizations. Um, they 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 are all in in helping us uh, showcase Southern Nevada as a community for companies. You know, they've sponsored events and they've sponsored uh, fam tours with site selectors already. Um, <clears throat> the, the Raiders played in London uh, for a couple of years and we did a lead generation mission to London and were able to, uh, you know, invite some companies to be in that kind of ecosystem during the event, which is invaluable because it allows us to show the spirit and soul of Las Vegas worldwide. And, and the, the fact that we've been able to accommodate these two major sports brands, um, you know, like our, our Golden Knights team that almost won the Stanley Cup in their first year of existence here, and the Raiders, whose new stadium, I can look out my window right now behind me and see it. Um, it, it just creates this community excitement and they have excitement as an organization for growing the economy as well. Now, uh, professional sports is not, while, while it's a new narrative, when we talk about Raiders and, and the Knights, it's not a new truth. So the UFC has been headquartered here for years. And, and I think we're going to continue to see professional sports grow, which just continues to increase our visibility uh, and increase the quality of life options that we have for people who move here. All right. Obviously, this year is unlike any year. Las Vegas will not be ho hosting many of the trade shows and events it would traditionally host. How has LVGA pivoted in the time of COVID-19? Tough times, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, especially, especially here in Nevada. The U.S. right now, uh, last time I looked at the unemployment numbers, the average across the U.S. somewhere around 20 percent. Here, here in Nevada, um, probably somewhere between 25 and 30 percent and maybe even higher here in Las Vegas uh, because the, the casino properties were closed. Um, we are back open. And so that, that, that's great news. And we're doing it slowly and safely. 
but I, it's been it's been great to see our our state and especially this community taking very gentle but firm steps forward economically. Um, we've had to to really react here. And Bruce, you know, we, we've already talked about it. I'm from Louisiana, and I do know a few things about um, emergency management. <laughs> you know, and, and while COVID looks a little different, uh, it's still a world that I'm that I'm familiar with. What are we doing differently? We launched a series of webinars, and we were able to reach, I think at last count, over six thousand businesses with these web with, with these webinars, uh, focusing in on uh, government programs like the payroll protection program and the economic economic injury disaster loan uh, and other resources. Our team has just quadrupled down on the number of companies that we're reaching out to, uh, direct outreach by phone, thousands of companies we're reaching out to to survey, uh, partnering with our governor's office of economic development. And, and actually an interesting thing that came out of our office, uh, we created along with some other organizations here in Nevada, what we call the Business Information Network. Uh, and that is a, a working group of people uh, not only from our organization, other economic development organizations, but also our chambers of commerce. And the idea is we wanted to be able to amplify all of the resources and messaging together so that one group didn't know about certain resources, another group knows about more, and then the two don't talk and people are missing out. We put everybody in the room together to amplify all of those resources it has been incredibly successful, and I just couldn't be more proud of our chambers and our economic development partners uh, and governor's office of economic development for, for creating and maintaining that and pushing it forward. Well, it's, it's great to hear how swiftly and in such a uniformed way you responded to COVID. And, you know, with that in mind and, and also how you touched upon, you know, using your tourism as, as a kind of a, a major strength in that initial attraction of companies with all this kind of the formula you created, do you have an opinion on what the future of economic development is going to look like? It, will it resemble the kind of path you're taking or do you see new trends kind of emerging, you know, in this post-COVID era? Well, I'll preface my comments, and it's, it's a great question, and I'll preface my, my answer with economic development looks different in different communities. Uh, while, while I'm going to talk a little bit about maybe some of the trends that I see, I will say that success cannot, there's no one formula for success that can be copied and pasted to every community. Um, I think here in Southern Nevada, and if I were thinking uh, you know, ac across North America, what what trends do I see coming? We're already in this trend of technology uh, improving economic development. So there are companies out there that are making better videos and, uh, you know, putting certified sites into videos and bringing that to life. And, you know, I, we, we can go through the gamut. I think it's going to become even more pronounced. So um, I think these companies that are producing this new technologies that can be wielded by economic development organizations, I think that's going to accelerate. I think that communities need to be very good at storytelling, but now they're going to have to be wonderful 
at virtual storytelling. So, you know, our websites are going to have to get better. The videos and uh, our ability to personalize these videos is going to be even more pronounced. Um, on a macro level, I also think we're going to have to go back to the environment of fighting hard for new jobs and workforce. You know, when we have uh, unemployment of 3%, everybody's focused in on, you know, hey, we have to be able to get companies the right type of worker. And I don't think that's going anywhere. But when you have 10%, 15%, 20% unemployment, we're going to have to dive back into the battlefield of fighting for jobs. And I think that the way we start with that is through that storytelling that I described, but also working with these existing companies to help them find uh, new efficiencies and additional opportunities, pivots uh, as an organization, you know, as it makes sense. And then lastly, Amber, I think we're going, economic development organizations uh, are going to become an even larger convener uh, for the community to discuss important community topics. You know, so just like I was talking about this war on jobs, we're going to have to talk about that, um, you know, in North American communities and what that really means. I uh, also think we can't be tone deaf. We are going to have to have the discussion of social injustice and how do we as economic developers, uh, you know, what, what, what is our role there? Uh, this, this is not a new topic, but definitely a heightened one. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think economic development organizations will have to have that discussion. And then, you know, I'm, I'm getting really tired of the term new normal, but in, in a, in a post COVID economy, what changes do economic development organizations need to make with their communities uh, moving forward. I, I just think that it's going to be incumbent upon economic developers to sponsor those, conver those conversations and turn the responses into action that we can measure and take back to the community and, and tell that story worldwide. Well, thank you so much, Jared. I, I appreciate how transparent you are. Um, I love that you brought up that, you know, we are in this era of having to kind of talk about social injustice or at least in inclusive economics, which has been a topic for a few years. But as you said, you know, right now it's kind of being pushed to the forefront. So it's definitely COVID has kind of in a way sort of brought on all these new narratives now, I think, because everyone's been so cooped up and, and, and it's just sort of an explosion, if you will. So it's going to be really interesting to just see how, how it all shifts and, and I appreciate, you know, your time and talking to us today. And um, I know Bruce loved it. I, 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 if you don't know, we had a plan that Bruce created that if as our sales team, if we hit our goal, we were going to Vegas to celebrate. <laughs> you were going to be a part of that plan. Um, so maybe next year. So stay tuned. Well, I look forward, I look forward to seeing you all here in Las Vegas. And look, as we wrap up, if it's okay, I'd like to end our discussion today with one of thanks. And so what I mean is I've been listening to lots of new podcasts that have popped up around economic development. Uh, I'm seeing a lot more email traffic and economic developers reaching out to each other to partner and offer uh, resources and best practices 
And I'm just telling you, our economic development ecosystem of practitioners and partners is one that I think a lot of people should envy. And so I just want to say thanks to you guys for what you're doing. You know, we're, we're of course, very happy customers. But thanks to those folks who are listening in on these podcasts for what you're doing every day. It's an honor. To, it's an honor to be in this industry. On that note, Jared, thank you so much for the kind words. Stay safe, my friend, and we'll look forward to seeing you in Vegas in 2021. Thank you all for tuning in. You can find us on the web at www.researchfdi.com, on LinkedIn, and on Twitter at ResearchFDI. Tune in next week as we have another guest from the economic development world. 